after I started modeling with them in the UK was I had a really big insecurity about smiling. And this is like a really big thing for me to even say right now. I don't even know. I just came up when you were speaking and that was the first thing that came to my mind. But I had a really big insecurity about smiling because I felt like every time I did a commercial job and I was smiling that my cheeks were just so pudgy and so big. What I feel body positivity community is really great at is helping people understand no matter where you are in that process of decoupling yourself from systemic macro issues, you can love yourself every step of the way. No one should shame you no matter what size you are, no matter anything. And I truly believe that body positivity is self-acceptance and being able to say that I accept myself now, even to get to where I want to be tomorrow. There was a lot of emotional fallout that I had to deal with after uh, my experience with being called out online, which was six or seven years ago now. And at the time when that happened, it felt like the worst thing in the world. It felt like I was just the biggest piece of shit that ever walked the earth. I was like, I actually was like, oh my God, like I'm terrible. I'm a horrible human being. Like, I really think like so many people hate me. I hate myself now and maybe the world would just be a better place. Like I'm a fat phobic, like piece of shit. Like maybe I should just disappear. Welcome back to Redefine You. I have with me a truly groundbreaking woman who is one of those body positive advocates I've always looked up to and adored. Now she had fought through negative self-talk growing up and can proudly say she became the first curved woman to model lingerie for Victoria's Secret, alongside working with iconic brands such as Christian Siriano and Ralph Lauren. She's an athlete, body positive advocate, host of the Love You Give podcast, which promotes self-help help and wellness, an author who is about to finish her first book and a certified yoga instructor. Allie Tate has done the hard work needed to cross over into self-love and self-acceptance, and she is living proof it works. Welcome to the show, Allie Tate. Um, Amazing intro. Love that. And it's so good to be here and great to see you finally. Oh God, it's so good to see you. It's so, I mean, it's been forever since I've actually seen you in person and so much has happened, but how I like to start all of these episodes is I ask my guest, if you were to check in with yourself right here, right now, what would Allie find emotionally? Mm. Okay. Well, so today what's coming up for me, um, is I, I'm having a particularly nice day because um, I'm just feeling really, really grateful for my recent move to Texas. Um, I feel yeah. really kind of surrounded by an excellent community. I've got my family here. I've got so many like-minded people who are living around me. Um, and I feel really safe here, which is interesting. So I'm grateful. And then, and then doubled with the fact that I'm like a month away from delivering my first baby and I'm, um, going through like the portal and the initiation that that is. And so I'm, I guess I'm feeling like on the cusp of something, if that makes sense. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. I, mean, I, I, I wanted to start somewhere else, but let's start here in the sense of the last time I actually saw you was mid pandemic you were in a transitional phase in your life and we went and we had dinner and you said to me, I think I'm going to move to Texas and I think I'm brooding. I think I'm ready to have a baby. And then all of a sudden, boom, you move to Texas. You have this wonderful baby inside you and life has shifted in all the right aspects. 
Wow. Okay. I didn't know that that's when the last time I saw you, that is crazy. Was that like a year ago? A year ago. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So in a year, a lot can happen. Um, I think that when I had seen you in London, um, I had just had this dream. And for those who don't know me or maybe follow me and, you know, I don't, I don't post enough about my more spiritual side, but I'd had this dream and in this dream, I had a baby and I'm not like a really maternal person. Like I've never really been like, Oh, a baby, you know, I've never really been like that. But in this dream, this baby was like, I knew I had just birthed him. He smelled really good. I could like smell his skin in the dream. And he was sleeping next to me on a pillow. And I woke up and the light was so beautiful too in the dream. And I woke up and I just knew that that was in Austin, Texas. Like I just knew it without a doubt. And I looked at my husband and I said, Sam, um, I just got a message. We have to move to Austin. And he was like, <laughs> really? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, all right, then like, fine. I called up my family. I said, guys, we're moving to Austin, Texas. Will you come join us there and start a farm? And they were like, hundred percent, you're moving. Definitely. We're not, you know, you're not going to change your mind. I was like, nope, we are moving. Uh, two weeks later, they had bought 50 acres and started a farm. My whole family moved here. And that was all from that one dream that I had. And then where, you know, a year later, look at it, I'm at their farm right now and I'm pregnant. And my last trimester with this baby, a boy, a boy that I'd had a dream about, it's just all so crazy and full circle. And I guess there's another theme there, which is like, sometimes dreams are messages, right? I definitely think that dreams are messages. I've had some very interesting dreams lately, to say the least. And, you know, with all these different spiritual guides saying that you should go and take a look deeper into those dreams, sometimes it can really be telling you some goodness and sometimes it can be telling you things that you don't want to face. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You have lived such an interesting life because when we met each other, if you can believe it, it was in 2014 in Germany at the Curviest Sexy Trade Show for SheGo. And I, I look back and think at that time and I go, how crazy is it that we were both two Americans in Germany working for a Curve brand? I didn't even know that you were primarily American for probably five years of knowing you because the only time I ever knew you was in London and you started yeah. to adapt as a little bit of a twang. And I for so long was like, every time I've met this woman, I love her to death. We work well, but I honestly was convinced that you were British until probably, <laughs> I don't know, five years ago where I was like, 
We had that one hangout and I was like, wait, you're American? It's like, what? That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I've been told that I adopted a little bit of a twang when I lived there. And I think like I it's interesting because English people say I sound really American, but like when I'm when I'm back here, Americans think I sound a little bit English. And I know that sounds super douchey for lack of a better word, but it really just happens when you move to another culture, you start to adopt some of their like, you know, the way they speak. Oh, I mean, every time I would come home, everybody would say I'd say bottle or, you know, all these little words. And sometimes I'd love it because it's just like, this is so cute. I love my new life. Yeah. But then after a while, it's like, who am I? Where am I from? Yeah. Um, but you, you know, one of the coolest things that I learned about you is the challenges that you had along the way that actually brought you to modeling. It wasn't as if you had one of those journeys where you went to London, like I did to pursue a modeling career. You actually went to London, had a bit of challenges along the way, which then kind of, uh, as an aha moment brought you into modeling. So can you speak mm. to us a little bit about that? Mm, yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm 31 now. Um, my life has definitely been a winding road and it's definitely been segmented into very different, very distinct chapters. Um, before I came to London, I was a soccer player. I played goalkeeper, uh, for 20. Well, yeah, it would have been, I played it for about 15 years. Um, and I had been on a scholarship at a D one university. Um, and I went to London for a year abroad and I had been, I decided I was going to try out for, um, Wimbledon AFC, the football team there. And I was just very committed to soccer. I was very good at it. Um, it had been my whole life, my whole identity. And then when I was in the hair salon one day in Piccadilly Circus and I was getting my hair dyed red, which terrible choice, but here we are. Um, and I was looking through the magazine, it was look magazine. And I saw this, um, advertisement for UK's next top curvy supermodel. And up until that point, I had been so insecure about my body um, as a soccer player, as a, so goalkeepers typically are bigger, taller, a little bit more masculine. And I had really struggled with that about myself my entire life and had Mm -hmm. been made fun of by my brother, his friends, made fun of by boys in high school. Um, You know, I remember there was a point when I had got on the varsity team for my high school and, um, for the hazing process, the initiation, they dressed everyone up as a different character. And I got dressed up as Shrek, right? Which is in retrospect and knowing myself and feeling really confident in myself is hilarious. But at that time, it was like my worst fear had been confirmed. Like people saw me for who I was, which was this like oversized, like, you know, really like big, unattractive, just like kind of monstery woman. And, um, so that had followed me for a really large part of my life, no matter how much I worked out, no matter how many sprints I did, no matter how many weights I lifted. I mean, like looking back, I was like in such good shape, but my body was just never going to be skinny. It was just not one of those bodies. And so when I saw this advert in London for UK's next top curvy supermodel, part of me was like, I kind of want to try to do this because I want to win money and I'm poor and a student. But I also want to do this because I want to validate to myself that like I'm pretty in the most basic way. And I, and I really mean that in the most basic way, I just needed some validation there. And then the other little part of me was like, but wait, if I enter a plus size modeling competition, does that mean that like, I'm everything I thought I was like, there was this conflict in me. I ended up doing it. I entered, I, you know, I got selected to be one of the 
I think 30,000 finalists. Um, and I had to show up in person and they did like catwalks and like trial photos. And my friend dressed me up. And I remember getting there that morning and looking, and there were so many girls. I was like, let's go. Like, I'm never going to get this. And she's like, I dressed you up. I did your makeup. You're staying. And I was like, all right. Okay. And we ended up staying and I got onto the next round and I just kept getting onto the next round, next round. I called my family. I said, you're never going to believe this. I'm in this show and like, I'm in the top three. Do you guys want to like fly over and watch me walk in London fashion week? And they were like, wow, that's insane. But sure. I called my team back at um, UCSB. I said, you guys aren't going to believe this. You know, can you vote for me? This is crazy. And I ended up not winning, but I ended up getting a contract with the same modeling agency and talked it over with my parents. I was like, guys, I think I got to take a gap year and I got to try this. This is too crazy. Like, this is just too wild that like, I would be silly to not say yes to this. Just try it out. What year was this? That was in 2010. Okay. Yeah. Um, turning into 2011. And so I started modeling. Yeah. 2011. And then in that month, like I just was like on a high, you know, those time periods of your life where you're like, you're just magnetic. Everything is coming to you. Things are going right. Your skin looks good. Your hair looks good. Like people stop you on the streets. You're, you're like, you just look cool in all your outfits. Like this was just like that time of my life. And at that time I met, I think I I was coming back from a burlesque show And I sat in the last seat left on this bus at like 3 a.m. And I ended up sitting next to who would be my husband. And everything was just like flowing at that point. But, you know, I still was dealing with body insecurities. I, at that time I was, um, I'd been taking Adderall for about Mm. three years, probably on the side of playing soccer. And I took it primarily because it took away my appetite and I wanted to stay skinny. And, um, that all those issues were still there with me when I started modeling and they came up when I would see myself in pictures. And I just remember being so embarrassed. Like I would look at myself in pictures and be like, wow, like, I don't know how I ever thought I could do this. I'm really embarrassing myself. I should probably just stop. That was the first probably two and a half years of modeling. And then one day it just kind of all clicked. And I was like, oh, like that's how you move that's the good angle. That's what it's supposed to look like. It all just started clicking and it came with practice, which is, um, something that I had adopted from soccer really. You know, what's so crazy is that you look back at those years and I think I'm like watching it, like I said, Pictionary show of like everything that you just went through, because I feel like I know it all too well as well. Just that, you know, that feeling and it feels so far away now since the pandemic's happened. It just feels like a totally different universe, but you know, one of the the things that I had to get over that I've actually never spoken about and probably my team to the core only knew about this couple years after I started modeling with them in the UK was I had a really big insecurity about smiling. And I, I, yeah. And this is like a really big thing for me to even say right now. I don't even know. I just came up when you were speaking and that was the first thing that came to my mind, but I had a really big insecurity about smiling. Cause I felt like every time I did a commercial job and I was smiling, that my cheeks were just so pudgy and so big. And so for me, I felt like I was just sexier and more beautiful when I had a bit more of a stern face and I wanted to be that model. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. want to be the commercialized one that was always like, ha ha ha. And I think that just came from probably 
probably when I was super young and started modeling, all I was doing was that kind of feeling or that face. And so as I developed, it was became a bit of an insecurity for me. And my, Mm -hmm. my team used to say to me, you know, why aren't you smiling more on your Instagram and stuff? And down deep, it was actually an insecurity that I had. Yeah. uh, I'll just echo that for a second. I remember the same exact insecurity. I would look at pictures of myself when I was smiling and feel like I looked like a chipmunk. And when clients, you know, all the clients would always be like, smile more, more laughing, laughing. And I would be like, I would do it for like a second and then like go back to just like smizing almost because I didn't want my cheeks to look really big. I remember the same exact insecurity. Yeah. Because it, because a lot of it, I think back in the day as well for curve clients, they wanted us to seem like we looked happy all the time we were in the clothing. So it wasn't necessarily always authentic smiling. It was very forced. And so sometimes you get that picture and it comes back, your face is like, and you're like, oh my God, no, it's not, yeah. no. Um, but, you know, we, we also were very young. And I think that comes with time and age and understanding your body and appreciating and accepting who you are in all aspects. And that, you know, the industry is is a one thing and, and you yourself is another. Um, yeah. You know, you've had such a lengthy career though since then. And you've always been somebody that I've looked up to because you've done so many beautiful things. And we actually had the pleasure of working together on my collection, which was one of the most beautiful pictures that I've ever had. And I'm Mm. so grateful that you were able to do that with me. Um, But, you know, I want to talk a little bit as well about sort of the downsides of, of getting into the modeling industry as a curve model and trying to find your own voice uh, in the body image community. Because sometimes um, I think we all sort of feel we have to have the perfect voice from the start and we can't make mistakes along the way because the brand won't necessarily support us as long as we are speaking the same truth that they are. Mm -hmm. So can you speak to me a little bit about your experience with that? Yeah. So interestingly, um, as I work on this book and I'm really diving into shame culture right now and call out culture and cancel culture, um, and moving into, I'm really moving into my new identity, my new profession, which is I'm, you know, I'm certified health coach now, and I'm really starting to get really excited about my niche, which is working with people who are dealing with shame, right? A lot of shame, um, which is circulating in the world right now. And that can be shame from anything from body shame, right? What I was just talking about, where you were just talking about feeling that we are not worthy because of our outer aesthetic, or whether that be um, ideas that we carry about ourselves that lead us to feel uh, like we're hiding a secret mm-hmm. or that we need to keep something like, you know, really, really private because it's like dark and dirty. So a lot of people carry shame with them on a regular basis. Now, as I just told you, I was, you know, dealing with basically from when I was 10 years old up until I was in my mid twenties dealing with um, body shame and other, and other kinds. I mean, just like identity shame, like never feeling adequate, never feeling all all the things that I think humans just deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was a, came a point in my career where I had said a comment on Facebook. Um, and it was in regards to obesity being bad for the environment and the way I worded it was terrible. And it was really my first like experience with, with people actually caring what I said. It was really like, I didn't know at that point, I I think I just got in social media Mm. and I really didn't like, you know, when you're younger, you just throw away words irresponsibly. And like, 
I just had no idea that like people were actually listening to what I said. And, um, at that, it went, that comment went down so horribly and there was like so much backlash and clients went on to, you know, cancel me because they were like, she's radioactive. Like she can't, we can't use her right now. She's been fat phobic. She's fat shaming. And I lived with that for like five years, like serious issues that developed from the PTSD of having an entire community tell you that you are a bad person because of something that you said. And, you know, I had so much time to sit with that and, and look at, Okay, what did I say? How could I set it better? What did I actually mean? Was this coming from a part of myself that like hated my own fatness? Like interrogate really every aspect of that. And, you know, it's been six or seven years and I still deal with flare ups in this community of people being like, well, that's that fat shamer. That's that fat mm-hmm. shamer. And it's like, guys, like I'm not. Um, I've never been unless it's been my own self hatred back to myself, which now I've had so much time to sit down and really heal that part of myself, right? Like I can honestly say I do not have any, well, very few, like sometimes, you know, there's, there's things that come up when you're pregnant, but I very, very few body issues anymore, body dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. And also from that process of healing through the PTSD, you heal a lot of parts of yourself and you see where you're carrying shame, where other people are carrying shame. And so what I will say is that from that experience, I really saw that our world that we have cultivated online is in trouble. Um, this experience that happened to me um, is becoming very, very common for a lot of people. There are a lot of people in the world right now who are feeling censored. They're stopping themselves from saying anything because they don't want to say the wrong thing. Because look what happens if you say the wrong thing. A lot of things can happen, right? We get ostracized by our social community. You can have real world fiscal implications if you get canceled or called out. Um, A lot of people go on to ideas of self-harm or suicide ideation. I can tell from my own experience, that was the only time in my life where I was like literally like, I would prefer to not be here anymore. And so when I see this happening online to such an extent, I mean, during COVID, it's gotten so much worse, um, where people are getting slammed for saying the wrong thing or even speaking a truth that's unpopular. That is what um, has really been my mission in addressing in the last couple of years because it's become so unbalanced. And what I'm seeing and what many of us are seeing as a result of this culture that we are developing is that no one wants to say anything at all. No one wants to say anything important at all because we're all too scared. So what we end up doing is becoming Kardashian-like, plastic, right? We We just hold it all in. We don't say anything of merit. And we put all of our focus onto our aesthetics, our looks, um, the way that we dress, speaking truths that maybe are, have been beaten like a horse, right? Like, just like, like, that's not the expression, but they've been just used again and again and again, just because it's safe. We know it works. We know it resonates, but the change makers, the people that like go on to make these new caveats in culture, or maybe say things that are controversial, but, but propel culture on or -hmm. society on or thoughts on they're getting stopped right now because we're all just too fucking scared to say anything. Um, So that's one of the things I'm seeing. The second is I'm seeing a huge amount of shame being cultivated and proliferating um, because people don't have a vent for it. 
there's no vent for it. Like we can't talk about it because it's, then you might become problematic, right? The dreaded, she's problematic, he's problematic, um, which I have a massive issue with that statement. No one's problematic. You're fucking human. Sorry. <laughs> you're a human. You're going to say things. You're going to make mistakes. Um, you're going to learn things and you'll probably revise what you learn along the way. That's what being human is. You're not problematic. No one's problematic. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm seeing a lot of this online. And for me, that was the big takeaway that I'm seeing with being a spokesperson in this day and age, which is, you know, the question you asked me, you know, what, what happens when you, your truth or the way that you speak or what you say doesn't match, match up to the social community that you're speaking for. Well, well I would just say, you know, with, with controversy comes change, you know, it comes movement, it comes opinions, it comes people's minds thinking and whether you're they're wanting them to think in the right way that you're trying to project that, that movement towards or not, they're still thinking about it. So it's still yeah. becoming an object in which it's going to be circled as a normality. Um, yeah. You know, I, I go back into, you know, that time because I, I'm identifying that time as when you called me after you did Victoria's Secret and said, people have now gone back into things that have happened six years ago. And when you initially called me and said, you know, somebody has now picked this out of a, a Twitter post or whatever post that I've done, what do I do? Mm. It was more of the sense of at that point in your life, you were so secure as a curve model and so secure and being able to help others find their confidence and their connection to their being that it probably did stop you in your tracks because your evolution of self has already evolved from where mm. that even started. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a really good and important note. And that's how, um, that's how this, this stuff works a lot of the time, right? Is the things that we say, no matter if you are at a different level of consciousness, 10 years later than what you were at, it is immemorialized, right? The internet puts these things in the internet memory forevermore, not to disappear. So no matter where you are in your journey, whatever you wrote on online is there to stay for eternity. And we've seen this come back to haunt a lot of people because mm. what was acceptable 10 years ago, right or wrong was acceptable 10 years ago and is not anymore. And those things come back up and people are like, Whoa, like, you know, I, I'm a totally different person than the person that wrote that. Or, uh, you know, I've just come a long way in my understanding of, of this topic. Well, we see that, it, it's frustrating because people are getting judged by an older version of themselves. And I think that's probably pretty hypocritical for a lot of people doing the judging because most people go through transformations multiple times in their life. You know, what we thought five years ago, two years ago, one year ago could be radically different from what we believe now. Um, so I think it's dangerous to typecast people into older identities or older versions of themselves. And that's where shame's coming from is that we're doing that to ourselves, right? We're typecasting ourselves. We're living in the past and we're, um, we're identifying the mistakes of the past and saying, that's still me. No, it's, it's not. Um, and I, and I'm here to firmly say, like, don't let anyone ever tell you who you are. You know who you are. If you've evolved and done work, then no, no amount of trolls can ever tell you you know, what, what you, what your mission is, what you meant by a certain comment. No, I refuse to accept that. 
And I think keep speaking up, keep speaking up, keep speaking out. At the end of the day, you know your truth and your audience, the audience that you want to be able to follow along with you, they should evolve with you as well. And to understand that we're people too, and that we make mistakes along the way. And sometimes are just a little bit more public than others mm-hmm. and that that's okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I am curious though, on your opinion, sort of just in the body positive world around things like losing weight and then, it, you know, evolving into a different career or talking about weight loss or things of that manner, because I think that they hold such weight uh, and president in so many different people's lives and can be something in which people feel like there is cancel culture and which I think we all have different opinions of what body positivity and body acceptance means to us. And Mm -hmm. that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that body positivity, body acceptance, self-love, whatever it is you want to call it, looks different to every individual. It's not going to look the same to each person. Um, For me, I had a specific understanding of what that meant, which was, you know, loving yourself where you're at. And for a lot of people, I, you know, I see that same message echoed. That means something similar to them. For other people, it means fighting back against diet culture or, mm-hmm. um, you know, fighting back against body un- unrealistic body ideals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it all, that is all relevant. It's all part of it. Um, but for me, I think where maybe I've run, uh, into kind of a, an issue with the body positive community in the past is that I still think like when we talk about, um, when we talk about bodies, we, we need to talk about it in terms of, uh, you know, a vessel treating it right, putting the right things in it. And I, 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 what I take issue with is a lot of times in these communities, and I've been talking about systemic issues, right? Obesity is a systemic issue. It's not, it's not an individual's fault. It's the result of multiple, um, corporations, industrial connections, uh, government subsidies. It's really kind of macro big picture issues that are leading to a lot of the things we're seeing in the world today. And we need to be able to talk about that. The, the thing is a lot of people don't want to talk about that because they're scared to run into problems or run into, um, negative feedback from talking about very serious to me, these are very serious issues. This has a lot to do with environmental issues, uh, corporate, corporate conflicts of interest, right? Like actual corporate corruption. We need to talk about what is going on at these macro levels that's leading to um, issues with our health. And so for me, uh, what, what I feel body positive, body positivity community is really great at is helping people understand no matter where you are in that process, of decoupling yourself from systemic macro issues, you can love yourself every step of the way. No one should shame you, no matter what size you are. Um, you know, no matter, no matter anything, it, your 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 value, your ability to be lovable, isn't hanging on a number on a scale. It's not dependent on what you look like. It's dependent on nothing. You are a human being. You are entitled to love and respect at every stage of your journey. However, let's also talk about serious issues without fear of repercussion, um, because if we're if we're scared to talk about stuff, nothing ever is going to change. And we need change. Like so clear. Look around the world right now. We're it's a hot dumpster fire. Like things are like absolutely like on fire right now. We see governments becoming more authoritarian. We see um, people dying in record numbers. We see uh, you know hunger, um, famine. 
there's so many issues going on in the world and we need to be able to sit down like mature adults and talk about all these issues and come up with really effective ways to deal with it. And um, we need to be able to do that in an environment of open conversation, honesty, and courage in what, in the topics that we're facing. Right. So do you think that you can be somebody that's in the body positive world and still wants to lose weight or promote or talk about your own fitness journey? Absolutely. hundred um, percent. I, I, and I say that because I think that's still something that necessarily gets fought against a lot. So yeah. if somebody necessarily says that my journey is necessary, is that I want to get in a fitness health, I want to get in a health kick. We've all been stuck inside for two years and I see my body changing just because of my surroundings, you know, and I'm finding things that I know work for me. And I want to share that with my audience, but that doesn't mean necessarily that I'm not body positive or I'm saying that that should be your journey too, because I am still in the same place that acceptance of all body types is where I stand with body positivity. I accept everyone for who they are and what they want and what their purpose is. Mm -hmm. But in order to be able to be body positive and not just towards yourself, but towards another, I think it's allowing people to accept people's journeys for what they are and to encourage them to find healthy alternatives to get to those places if they do want to go down that route. Absolutely. Yeah. I think to echo what you just said, I I have seen, um, you know, um, plus size influencers or body positive influencers that I follow who have talked about a weight loss journey and then be scolded or reprimanded or unfollowed for that. I take massive umbrage with that. Um, body positivity looks different. As I said, I'll say it again, looks different for every person. Um, someone who may, might've put on a lot of weight, you know, just to give an example here over the last two years, in and out of lockdown, right. We're not, we're not walking. We're not, we're not even moving nearly half as much as we did two years ago. So there's a lot of things going on. Um, so if this person has put on a lot of weight and they don't feel good, and they want to lose weight and get to a healthier mindset. What the heck are people doing? Try to trying to discourage this person from being the best version of themselves. The best version of myself and the best version of yourself look different. And for for me to sit here and judge someone because um, they decided to lose weight, well, that to me is like anathema to the body positive community. Body positive community, like the feminist. Um, comes from the, you know, the feminist idea that we're going to fight for each woman's ability to live their life the way they see fit. That's Mm -hmm. where it comes from. I'm not going to fight for your ability to live the life that I see fit for you. No, I want you to make your own sovereign choices and stand by them. And if you feel healthy going on runs or eating whatever, a plant-based diet or losing X amount of weight, who the heck am I to judge you on that? In fact, I applaud you on that. That's amazing. You've you've made a conscious decision to make yourself feel better. In terms of mental health and its decline over the last two years, all of us should be applauding those decisions, right? What do you need to do to feel better? Amazing. Do that, right? If it looks like, um, you know, if you put a lot of weight on in lockdown and it looks like just loving where you're at at that moment, do that, do that for yourself. But I I think for me, the issue is a lot of us are putting our own, the the internet and social media has made everyone very opinionated. And it's made us all feel that we can tell a complete stranger that what we think (laughs) 
they're doing is wrong and they should do it in a different way. No, every single human being is different. What works for one won't work for another. And so for me to sit in judgment of someone else's journey is like the height of not only arrogance, but like authoritarianism. Like what, why is it that you think you have like the one true way of how to live life? Like, why is, why do you think that? Well, you think you have like the one truth and everyone else is wrong and we should just follow your truth. I mean, I know that's like a cognitive bias that humans have a lot of the time. Like I've had that, I've exhibited that in the past, but that's not true. We all have different truths and we need to honor each person's truth and, and not sit in judgment of it. No, I completely agree. And I also think that it's one of those things when it comes into other people's fitness or health journeys, they have every right to be able to do what works for them and what works for you is going to be completely different. So, I mean, I completely embody the exact mentality that you are talking forth of. I think it's a hard one to speak on because I still think that there are people out there that think if you are going towards a different fitness journey, or if you look differently, you know, coming out of lockdown or so forth, then maybe you aren't the person that you used to be when you spoke about body positivity in the beginning. And I truly believe that body positivity is self-acceptance and being able to say that I accept myself now, even to get to where I want to be tomorrow. So Mm -hmm. if I am going on that fitness journey, or if that girl is going on that fitness journey and me being that supporter, I'm going to say, don't hate yourself going to what you want to be. Love yourself 10 times more today to get to where you want to be, because that's the most important journey that you should be on. And that's what I project. And I think you project and a lot of us do as well but sometimes can get a little bit confusing with, you know, the outside opinions of just uh, body positivity, not being a universal language when it comes to size. You know, I think a lot of people still are in this mindset that if you're body positive or you're in the community, you're only size 12 and above. And it's not that way. Body positivity is all sizes, all people. It can speak to every single person and their specific journey. Absolutely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are the real Brady Bros. Brady Brothers from the TV show Brady Bunch. I'm Barry Williams. And I'm Christopher Knight. I played Greg. And uh, who are you again? I played Peter. We've decided that we're going to do a podcast around episodes of the Brady Bunch. We're going to use it as a prism to look back to our experience doing the show and why the Brady Bunch is still popular. Have a sunshine day. We are the real Brady Bros. You know, you talk obviously a lot about mental health and being an advocate for it. I want to tap into a little bit about your journey with mental health and the struggles and challenges maybe you've had along the way or maybe Mm. still have to walk alongside. You know, what has that looked like for you? Mm -hmm. Well, as I said, you know, there was a lot of uh, fallout, emotional fallout that I had to deal with after uh, my experience with being called out online, which was six or seven years ago now. And at the time when that happened, it felt like the worst thing in the world. 
Like it just felt like my world had crumbled around me. Um, it felt like I was just the biggest piece of shit that ever walked the earth. I was like, I actually was like, oh my God, like I'm terrible. I'm a horrible and human wait, being. So was that different after Victoria's Secret or did it come out after Victoria's Secret? So it was interesting. And this is how, um, you know, as, as I write a book about this and I've been studying this and researching this, like how the actual fundamentals and te- like um, processes by which cancel culture works, mm-hmm. it works, it resurfaces, right? So like every time that like you are in the spotlight again, like it comes back up bigger. And as my career was growing, each big job that I got, it like seemed to get bigger and bigger and bigger, even though the event was further and further and further away. And I had apologized and I had tried to make amends and talk about fat phobia and like do the work that I thought fairly was being asked of me to do. Um, and so when Victoria's Secret rolled around, it was just like the biggest profile job I had gotten up at that point. And that's when it was just like, boom, like journalists researching into my past. Oh my God, this girl said something fat phobic. And then at that point it was like on Teen Vogue, Perez Hilton, like big media outlets. And that was really, really difficult for me because I was like, I remember even getting a call from like Pierce Morgan to be on the morning show. And I swear to God, I thought he was going to like have me on and be like, so you said this in the past. And I was like willing to do it. Like I was like, put me on the show. Let's have a conversation about this. I want to clear this up once and for all, because I literally just can't handle this coming up again and again and again and again. And me having Mm -hmm. to explain myself again and again and again, like at what point, at what point can people just move on? Like if this was a mistake that happened in real life, I would have just been allowed to move on, right? Like any other person, but no, when it happens in the cyber world, it stays there forever and it can come back and haunt you again and again, like truly like a skeleton in the closet. So for me, every big job, I was so fearful and dreading. Like, I was like, oh my God, I remember I did a collection with Reformation and I was like, is this going to come up? Is this going to come up? Have people forgiven me yet? Are are we going to move on from this? And it was like this constant omnipresent fear. I just want to take a second for myself here and just be like, I love you so much, Allie. Like that was so intense for you to go through and to sit with that and just wait for just this impending doom moment. Like I can't believe I'm so proud of myself for really just getting through this and being able to speak about this so transparently. And so, um, embodied from a space of like, no, fuck this now. Like I truly am like, no. Um, and so, all the, all that time I had been dealing with serious emotional and mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like I said, that was the only time in my life where, uh, there was some serious dark nights of the soul where I was like in bed and being like, I think it'd be better if I wasn't here. Like, I really think like so many people hate me. I hate myself now and maybe the world would just be a better place. Like I'm a fat phobic, like piece of shit. Like maybe I should just disappear. And that was for years. You know, there was, it would come like some night, like some nights more than others, some conversations more than others, some things more than others, but it would happen. And I just remember at one point after the Victoria's Secret thing, when that was like the big one that came up, it was the darkest I'd ever felt about, about it. And I just remember sitting there and making this conscious decision. In fact, I was listening to an Alanis Morissette album mm-hmm. in my house. I put it on the like giant speaker. I was listening to Jagged Little Pill and I was screaming. I was dancing naked in my room. And I just made this conscious decision. And I thought, what am I doing? Like, why do I give a fuck? 
what anyone else who doesn't know me, hasn't met me, thinks about me. I care what my community thinks about me. I care about what my family thinks about me. What do my friends think about me, right? How is my character? Is my character good? Only these people will know that. Why do I care what an anonymous group of strangers who will never know me actually think about me? Like, what am I doing to myself here? This is like some sick mind game I'm playing on myself. And I decided I would not partake in that anymore. And no matter what it was, I was going to stand up for myself. If someone came after me online and was like, oh, here's Allie Tate Cutler, the fat phobic person, I was like not going to take it because mm-hmm. they had no right to sit in judgment of me when they had not seen or not known the accountability process that I had gone through myself. And from that moment on, when I had made that conscious decision, um, I just turned a corner. And I think that's when I started to really like let go of modeling and think, you know what, this, this doesn't feel super healthy to me anymore. This environment, it doesn't feel safe. I feel self-censored here and that's not what I want to feel. And maybe this isn't my world. Maybe this isn't my dharma. This isn't my journey. And from that point, when I guess I'm, I, you know, I decided to move out to Texas shortly after, um, I started doing my health coaching certification, diving into breath work and all these other healing modalities. And now I'm coming to you from a place of, I feel absolutely empowered in myself. Um, I know myself, I know what I've done to the shame going on inside me from that event and from my body shame when I was younger. Um, And I see it all over the place. I see it in people all the time. The same shame that I've been through, the same ideas of self-harm, the same ideas that, um, you know, we're nowhere where we should be in life. I don't measure up next to my peers. Uh, I'm totally useless. I'm worthless. I, um, you know, maybe the world would be a better off place if I wasn't here. These thoughts, I see it in people all the time. And actually I have to say, I see it a lot with models. A lot of my friends who are models are dealing with these issues. Um, and I don't, I'm not going to stand by and, and just watch it happen anymore. And I know there's things we can do to fix it. And it will have such an amazing knock-on effect with the whole world, right? We need to start, we need to start doing the work to heal from intergenerational trauma, to heal from, you know, PTSD from events that happen in our own life, and to really release it because. The world we're headed to is not looking too pretty to me right now. And I know we can, we can change that. We can change that um, destiny. We can. Hey, I've been testament to it as well. You know, I, there's been many nights in my life where I've, I've spiraled down a chain of feeling like I'm worthless and that, you know, nobody would care. So, you know, I, I know that feeling, I know how dark it can actually get and how scary it can be. And I think that's why I started to talk a little bit more about mental health just through the pandemic in itself, because it felt like this was the most authentic story for me to tell besides just body positivity. You know, for me, mm-hmm. my mental health is in completely line with my body image, but for so many years, I've actually felt so confident in my body. You know, like my body hasn't been the issue. There's other things that are underlining from my past and my inner child and my PTSD and all this trauma that I never spoke about because body image was the narrative that everyone wanted to speak towards because of my profession. And I think during the pandemic, it gave us sort of this opportunity to start to talk about the deeper rooted things that maybe are going on that do inflict on your self-image 
image or start to make you think that you need to live a life of comparing and really understanding, you know, where your worth stems from today, where your worth is Mm going to stem from tomorrow and how that can change over time and that that's okay. Mm -hmm. I think it's wonderful to hear that you've come through to this whole different space. And I did want to ask you because I haven't, you know, chatted to you as a friend in a while, you know, what are you doing now with modeling? Have you decided to kind of uh, put a halt after the baby comes or is this sort of a newfound, you know, wanting to get into speaking on more pointed topics in spirituality and healing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think um, for me after, I guess, yeah, it was, it was the beginning of COVID. I, really, as all of us did, sat in recollection and revision of what we had been doing and whether that was sustainable and whether that was something we wanted to keep doing. And for me, I found that to be wanting. Um, I had been living a life of, for 10 years as a model, traveling probably on a plane three to five days a week, Um, totally ungrounded, unhealthy, you know, just adrenal fatigue, gut imbalances, candida issues. And I knew it wasn't sustainable, but I knew it was like, well, it's this, you know, you have a certain amount of time to do modeling, right? Before you're considered too old and you're put out to the pasture, like livestock, which is a really messed up part of this industry. But I yeah, have then plus size, point. you have a lot. I feel like, but you know, in plus size curve, whatever you want to call it, you do have a, a lengthier career because you know people are more accepted to say that plus size or being curved is is for an older audience. Yeah, yeah, you do, you do, and then that was a very real option for me. Was like, how you know, should I keep going until I'm forty or fifty? Like, what's what is the plan here? But I had always felt that you know, there was my, my mission, my sole purpose was not being entirely met. It was not being entirely met. And when we are not living in alignment with what our real purpose is, and a lot of people don't know what that is for themselves. A lot of people are figuring that out. Sometimes people's souls, sole purposes change, right? We have different seasons in life and you can come here for one purpose, accomplish that, and actually have another one that you, you need to, or want to accomplish. For me, my sole purpose, and I actually just did a beautiful healing session a couple of weeks ago to, to really identify what this was for me. And this was being a voice for the victimized and helping them heal from it. Mm-hmm. And that felt so in alignment with what I believe and what I want to do. And I was just not being able to do that with modeling. Modeling, you are a hired contracted face and body. That is what you are. And if we stray too far with being too opinionated, we can see what happens with that. Unless you're opinionated and just like really well publicly trained and you have like great, like, you know, proficient PR training where you just say all the right things all the time. That's not me. I'm, I, speak my truth. And if people don't like it, well, okay, I'm probably in the wrong profession. Um, and so for me, I, I really identified what that purpose was. And I thought, am I, am I going closer to this purpose or am I going further away from it by doing what this modeling thing? And it really felt like I was moving further and further away from it. And so I had a serious sit down moment the last probably year of just being like, okay, am I, Am I getting closer to what my sole purpose is? Am I getting closer to manifesting it? Am I getting close to identifying it? And if I'm not, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. And so for me, that move to Texas really helped me. And like, there's so many like-minded people around me, like so many coaches, um, spiritual people, wellness people, they're all moving here. I don't know why, don't ask me why, but they are. And mm-hmm. I'm surrounded by them. And I'm just like 
full up of inspiration on yeah. how it is that I can be of service to the world. That is what I want. I want a mission-driven and purpose-led career. And that was not happening with modeling. And so now, um, you know, I'm pregnant, not really getting modeling jobs anyway. Um, I've had a, the ability to really sit and, and ask myself and identify what it is. What's my niche? How am I going to help people? How am I going to be of service? And I'm, I'm, I've identified it. I'm ready to go. And I'm so excited now uh, to move into that chapter, even though it feels scary and, um, you know, anxiety inducing because changing identities is a big fucking thing. Like it, it just is, it's really, it is all of those things. Um, but I'm also so excited because I get to reinvent myself like plot twists. This is awesome. Like I'm so stoked, but I'm also really, really excited to learn more modalities, healing modalities that I can employ to help people release their own shame. Um, so that's the direction that I'm moving. It, will I ever model again? Sure. Why not? If someone called me and was like, Hey, we've got this really big campaign. I'm like, yeah, fun. Why not? Like, well, sure. But it's not my be all end all. And it's not my mission. Um, and I don't really think it ever was. Well, hey, sister, you're talking to another one, because I think that a lot of us have shifted and changed throughout this pandemic and started to talk about truthful things that we're passionate about and the change that we want to make outside of the change that necessarily was a narrative that was told we had to make, mm -hmm. you know, and so I think we're in wonderful spaces where we're using our voices for good and being able to know that one voice can actually make a difference by sharing our story. And you've done that perfectly, especially with being able to confidently come out and say, you know what, I take ownership for what I had done in the past, but I'm not going to condemn myself for it. Instead, I'm going to validate the progress that I've made towards being the best version of myself. Mm. And, you know, you talk about cyber and all this, all, I mean, you use, you, use, you use the best ways to explain it, but I mean, I've dealt with that, you know, just growing up in a family that's in the industry and specific things along the way. And I, I know that feeling of what it can feel like when you consistently are asked in interviews and then afterwards feeling shameful towards yourself once again, even though you have um, maybe put that to rest or understood that was your secret part of your life at that period of time. Um, so thank you, obviously, for always coming out and being fearless enough to talk about those times. I want to, we're, we're going to wrap up a little bit here. I know that you, you talked about all this goodness. We didn't even really tap into the fact that you're about to have a baby boy in a month, but we'll <laughs> talk about that off screen. And yeah. I'm so excited for you. I can't even, um, and your house and everything. I mean, your whole transformation that you've done in your life, I can see it, I can feel it. And I'm so unbelievably proud of you. But you. in this show, we like to end it with a couple of different questions. So I like to ask you a couple of questions that tap into what makes you you. And as we talk about building our personalized toolboxes so often um, in our emotional journey, I wanted to ask you what served you the last time you experienced a flare up or challenging moments? Mm. Um, I have a couple tools that I draw on uh, okay. when I experience flare-ups or issues with my own mental health. Um, one of those things is breath work. I will say it once, I'll say it again. It saved my life. 
uh, on numerous occasions. If you guys don't know what breath work is, there's many different um, amazing breath work teachers that you can look up. Uh, holotropic breath work is just one style uh, created by Stanislav Grof. There's uh, many different types of breath work, but uh, it's a very healing and um, trauma informed modality that we can all use. Um, to really, really release different, different things that we're storing in the body. And the second thing I'll say is, and I probably wouldn't have said this like a year ago or two years ago, but this is like a new learning for me. Um, community community is like the most important thing to me at this time right now. Um, because I feel that there's a big bifurcation in the world of realities going on. There's a lot of uh, left versus right, or, you know, vax versus unvaxed. There's a lot of p polarity going on. And what we need to do is really find that community where we can speak our truth without fear of being reprimanded or without fear that we have to self-censor ourselves. Um, and I have amazingly found that in Austin and having experienced that, um, I can tell you it's one of the most healing things ever. And if that sounds like a lot of work or un untenable to people listening to this, you know, to find a group of people that you are just safe with, that you are safe to speak your truth with. I promise you when you start speaking your truth, these people will find you. They will find you. I promise you that there, it is like this, you know, magnetic force when you start actually speaking your heart and speaking in alignment with your throat chakra and you just really go for it. People come out of the woodwork and you're like, where were you all my life? Like, where, where have you been hiding? And they just come out and they find you. And right now at this point in time, that is so important to each and every individual to have that community, that network, and that support system to lean on. Yeah. Definitely. And then, and then lastly, what are the three biggest lessons you've learned in your life? These can be words, feelings, saying stories, whatever authentically mm. comes to that beautiful mind of yours. Um, okay. Three lessons. So one of them would have to be that, and I don't care how controversial this is, that there is a little bit of truth in every perspective. Um, and so when we, when we are dealing with different ideologies occurring in the world right now, and, you know, let's say you're dealing with someone who's a Trump supporter. I don't know. I'm just using like a theoretical here. He's a Trump supporter and you just can't stand this person. They're Republican. They're awful. They're all these things. If we can sit there and see the humanity in that person and see the truth from their eyes, not from our eyes, from their eyes, what they have gone through, what they have experienced to get to the point and believe what they believe. If you can get to that point, I, I promise we will start to see the divisions in the world heal. So see the truth in all perspectives. That's one. Um, and that's a big one coming up the last two years. Um, a second one I would say is this too shall pass which is if you are going through a really hard time or if you feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, there is, there really is. And there always is. That's the, the constant truth of the universe, right? The dynamic principles and laws of the universe is that this too shall pass. Um, no bit of water that you step in will ever be the same. And the, 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 the freaking space is infinite. It's expanding. Think about that for a second. Like literally infinite space is getting bigger. Okay. Nothing stays the same. Like there is always going to be 
a, a bright horizon ahead. So this too shall pass. And then third and lastly, let me just sit into this. I think <laughs> you're such a vibe. <laughs> Sorry. I'm trying to tap into it. There's something so that wants much. to come in. I just want to watch forever. Yes. Yes. Let um, it come sister. Third and lastly is that if we can find our truth, find our mission and every single one of us have one, maybe many, if we can make that the highest priority, then we're going to see the world become so magical. And I mean that literally like magic, like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, freaking just fairy, fairy magic. If we can find that for ourselves, we're going to see the world change in amazing ways. So get clear on what it is you are here for. What did you come to earth? Why did you reincarnate here? Why did you show up in this body? Why did you, why did you choose to be born with the family that you're born with at this time? Why? What is your mission? Get clear on that. And if you're not, if you're not doing it, get started. I'm just going to say fucking hell. (laughs) I love you. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, you are just a badass in all the right ways. And I just love speaking to you and hearing all of the above guys. If you want to connect more with Allie, which I'm sure you do, she can reach on all of her socials. It's at Allie underscore Tate underscore Kotler. And again, she has a beautiful podcast. So be sure to check that out. Thank you so, so much for everything above the sun. Thank you, Haley. I've really loved being on this and seeing your beautiful face. And I hope we get to see each other in real life once again, really soon. Yes. And you'll have your little baby. I will. All right, guys. And if you're looking to continue the conversation around living an unapologetically unauthentic lifestyle, then this podcast is just for you. Our goal is to build a community in which you feel empowered to celebrate you by hearing inspiring stories of ownership to self. To always remember to lead with the three M's, that's mindfulness, movement, and mental engagement. You've got this, and we're here to support you along the way. So be sure to subscribe and download so you don't miss an episode. It's okay to not be okay in your journey to become grounded in the power of you. Now, some of the topics we discussed today may have been triggering. So if you're in need to speak to a crisis counselor, please text home to 741-741 or head over to projecthealthyminds.com slash Haley for curated resources ready to hear from you. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Haley Hasselhoff, Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan Dematty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinigay, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. 
This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice, do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the host and the guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or an entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.